Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. Gentlemen, friends, and neighbors, lactose tolerant and intolerant alike. Boy, do we have a story for you today. Hi, my name is Ben. My name is Nolan. Ben, we try to stay tolerant on ridiculous history. True, yeah. yeah. I have a new nickname for you. It's I can't believe it's not Ben Bolin, but it is. It is Ben Bolin. <laughs> Thanks. And, and you're Noel Brown. Mm-hmm. And of course, we are accompanied, as always, uh, by our super producer, Casey Pegram. And today, Noel, we are exploring something that I have to be honest with you, I had no understanding of before our research for this episode began. Yeah, we're talking about um, margarine. And not just margarine, the perennially tolerable uh, spread <laughs> butter oh. substitute. I don't know. Maybe I have an axe to grind. Um, <laughs> I, 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 my whole thing is I've always been a little confused about what margarine really is. But before we get to that... People cared a lot about margarine back in the day. Oh, they did. They did. Margarine, it turns out, is the first domestic food to be regulated by the federal government in the United States. It has a very strange history on this continent that has been explored in very strange pseudo-buttery depth. Uh, there's a great article by an author named Ruth Dupree called, If It's Yellow, It Must Be Butter, Margarine Regulation in North America Since 1886. And the reason that date is important is because it's not just a story of this substitute. It's a story of what eventually escalated into a a continent-wide war of sorts. A bit of a war. And, you know, last episode we talked about uh, a war involving eggs. Um, This episode we're talking about a war involving uh, various incarnations of animal 
parts and stuff <laughs> that you can put on things to eat and cook with. Uh, that year you mentioned, though, 1886 is very important because that is the year that uh, the United States passed the Margarine Act, which severely limited – it was kind of this cap off of what had already been a war on butter in the United States. We're talking about Canada today, but just to give a little bit of background, mm-hmm. in the United States, big butter, right? Kind of like big brother. But, mm-hmm. but butter. More, more buttery. They fought tooth and nail against this substitute. They were so protective of their industry that anything they saw as potentially stepping on their terrain, they had friends in high places and they made sure to quash that. And margarine was persona non grata, was en- enemy number one. Yes. And we are, as Noel said, we are focusing on Canada for today's purposes, but we found so much fascinating, hilarious, and wait for it, ridiculous history about butter and margarine in the United States that we're going to have to throw some of these awesome quotes in. There's one I've been waiting to do like all all week. Yes, and and lest we get ahead of ourselves, just know all of this is to set the stage for the demonization that did spread to – spread? There we go. To Canada? Yeah, 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 that's good. Because that year of 1886, when this act was passed in the United States, was the same year that Canada banned margarine. Completely. No ifs, ands, or but substitutes. Ooh. I know. We're skirting the family show line here. It's fine. So we'd like to give you this quote from Governor Lucius Hubbard of Minnesota, who in this time bemoaned the fact that the, quote, ingenuity of depraved human genius has culminated in the production of oleomargarine and its kindred abominations. I have never heard a, a, a food stuff or a group of food items referred to as abominations, kindred or otherwise. This was such a big deal that other senators spoke out on the issue as well. Senator Joseph Quarles of Wisconsin, also known as the dairy state, uh, said that butter should come from the dairy, not the slaughterhouse. I want butter that has the natural aroma of life and health, said Senator Quarles. I decline to accept as a substitute coal fat matured under the chill of death, blended with vegetable oils and flavored by chemical tricks. And the last one, the butter lobby in the United States uh, had such an axe to grind with margarine that they threw out all kinds of spurious, awful misinformation to completely malign this product, which we need to we need to talk more about what the product actually is. But let me do this quote, and then we'll see what, yeah, see yeah, what yeah, we can yeah. do about that. Quote, they called it the slag of the butcher shop, a compound of diseased hogs and dead dogs, also implying that it contained, quote, the germs of cancer. That is from the War on Margarine from the Foundation for Economic Education, written by Adam Young. So Ben, we, we need to take a we need to pump the brakes a little bit before we, we go to to Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. Newfoundland, Canada. I have, I think, a solution. Yeah? Yeah. Do you remember earlier when we were at that that shady thrift store and we found that butter dish? Mm-hmm. I think the cashier was right when they said that it had extraordinary ability. It was imbued with mystical properties? Yeah, which they kind of buried the lead on that, but we, we still got it and we have it in the studio. Uh, maybe, maybe this can help us explain the difference between butter and margarine. You want to give it a, give it a, a, I don't know, knock it on the table? Or? I'll give it a rub. There we go. Yeah. 
Oh wait. What's Wait, happening? Do, do you hear that? Well, I, I don't. I don't know yet. It hasn't been added in post. <laughs> right, right, right. So uh, our amazing acting skills aside, it turns out that this did work. I think we've summoned a fact genie. A fact genie, you say? Whoa, whoa! It's Lauren Vogelbaum from Foodstuff fame. I don't know why you guys get to be this surprised. I almost had the reason why magic mushrooms form in circles. I almost had fairy circles figured out. Why am I here? Uh. That may have been part of it, Lauren. You, the, the fairy magic carried you here, mm-hmm. and it connected with our particular brand of fairy magic. Mm-hmm. For a segment, we would now like to forever refer to as the Fact Genie. The Fact Genie agreed. Lauren, in your outside of Fact Genie life, you are one of the driving forces behind our favorite food show, Food Stuff, also available for free via House of Works, wherever you find your podcast. I, I, I am. That's very true. Thank you so much for that compliment. So, you know, the the mystical powers of the thrift store universe must have known this and summoned you on our behalf to answer the question, what's the difference between butter and margarine? And let's talk about this a little bit. Do you have a minute? Is it okay? We'll release you. Sure, but according to this paper that just fell out of the magical butter dish, uh, you only get three questions. And after that, I can go. That seems fair. It did say that on the receipt. I should have mentioned that earlier. It's okay, Ben. So, okay, so I, I think that's our number one question. Mm-hmm. If we only get three, our first question is, just as Noel said, what is the difference between butter and margarine? Because they're different, right? Sure. Uh, okay, well, butter is a concentration of the fatty and fat-soluble parts of milk that have been churned and worked to press out water and link the molecules. In its solid form, it's actually a crystallization of those fats. Butter fats start crystallizing around 50 degrees Fahrenheit or 10 degrees Celsius. Traditionally, butter flavor is a waste product of non-pathogenic or friendly lactic acid bacteria which eat the sugars found in milk and excrete flavor. But these days, most butter in America is flavored with lab-produced compounds chemically identical to a couple of those bacterial byproducts. So is it more bacteria poop, kind of? Is that what you're Definitely saying? Definitely bacteria okay. poop. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty That's pretty weird when you think about it. I, I personally find butter delicious, and I'm starting to wonder if I want to learn the rest of this. But we're here. Uh, we have the butter dish. You're here. Uh, what's margarine? Margarine is oil that's been transmogrified so that it is solid at room temperature and then flavored and colored to resemble butter. Uh, though originally made with animal fats, these days it's generally made with plant-based oils that have been hydrogenated, fractionated, or interesterified. I understand several of those words. I do. It's almost like the way you were transmogrified to this place. Almost. Yeah. Uh, they're all complicated ways of, of changing the chemical structure of a thing to change its freezing points. Uh, at that point, you can work the fats to create crystallization, the same as with butter fats. But, you know, butter is as old as the hills, right, Lauren? I mean, it's like we can't really credit somebody with inventing butter, right? Well, I, not one person. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But we can do that with margarine, can't we? Oh, yeah. That was a French guy a French while guy. back. Yeah. Uh, Napoleon put out an all call. Napoleon put out an all call for a substitute, correct? Yeah, because uh, butter is so expensive that he was like, we need people to eat food. And this food is expensive. Who has a cheaper alternative? And Nolan, I know a little bit about this, but to consult our expert for the pronunciation of Margarine's inventor, I believe it's time for Casey on the case. Or what are we calling on the, on the Is this a sub-segment? We're doing, yeah, we're doing like segments and segments. It's like Ouroboros over here. Yeah, well, on the case with Casey. Okay. 
Uh, we're, we're, we're still Casey on the case. Whatever. A, we'll Whatever. get there. Here he is. Wow. Hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People just oh. appear here, Lori. Oh. Oh, boy. Okay. We'll have some serious uh, huh. history witchcraft here today. Yeah. So who, what's, what's, what's the name of the, the lovely French scientist who invented margarine? All right. The inventor of margarine, pronounced in my best French accent, is Hippolyte Mege Moliez. And ladies and gentlemen, that's been Casey on the <laughs> case. <laughs> Thank you so much for dropping by and letting us know, Casey, how to pronounce the name of this French chemist who invented margarine in... Did he Did he invent it in 1869? Ben, as it turns out, without being a fact genie myself, I happen to know that is the case. He invented it in 1869. And his recipe, if you guys don't know this, you'll be interested to know, was was as such. Heated, finely minced beef fat, potassium salt, fresh sheep's stomach, raise the temperature to 113 degrees, mm. uh, the pepsin from the sheep's guts mixed with the beef to separate the fat from the cellular tissue. They are put under pressure to separate those oils. Then milk and water was added and a food coloring called... Anato that was uh, made from the seeds of the Akio tree. Um, and it's interesting, actually, because today that is used in butter a lot of the times, too, because people want that stuff to be super yellow so they know it's the real deal, even though it's it's not. Similar to uh, salmon being pink, right? Cartoonishly exactly. so. Mm-hmm. And cheddar cheese being orange. That was a free fact. We didn't ask for that one. No, it counts. Didn't. It counts. That counts? Mm-hmm. That counts as one yeah, of our three? I, th- I think we're, we're, we're going for the third one now. Since we have but one more fact to ask for, I think the question that's on everybody's mind is, Lauren Vogelbaum, where can people hear more of you? Oh, goodness. Uh, you can find me on Food Stuff and also on Brain Stuff. That's uh, brainstuffshow.com and shows.howstuffworks.com slash foodstuff. We're working on it. Uh, also on social media, look up Food Stuff or just Google Lauren Vogelbaum. I'm literally the only one on the planet. And I want to commend you for being such an effective fact genie that we only really needed two. Yeah. And one of them was like a free one, kind of. So well done. Thank you. And we release you from your bonds. <laughs> Right? Thank you. We had to say that, I think. Yeah. I think so. Go, go be free, Genie. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. 
You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Well, hey, congratulations to us, man. That was not only our first Fact Genie segment, but we had a segment in a segment. You know, it's not every day you get to do a, a segment within a segment. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad, though, that we didn't, like, open up some sort of portal to hell uh, with that disruption of the, of the universe. Yeah, that's true. We were We were pushing the envelope just a bit. But I believe the gambit was worth it because we learned a lot in a very short span of time. And we have set the broad brush context of the great painting that is the margarine butter war. So we established that this margarine is French in origin and it is designed at the time to fulfill a need because not everyone for one reason or another would have access to butter despite the fact that it was often considered a staple. Yeah, even in our story about Martin Luther and his relationship with butter and indulgences in the Roman Catholic Church, butter was kind of considered to be uh, not only a staple, but a sign of opulence in some way. But notice that we said for various reasons, people might not be able to access butter. It could be, uh, it could be related to a, a social thing such as income or the influence, right, of an institution like the Catholic Church. It also could just be a matter of climate. And that's where we journey to Newfoundland. That's right. In a paper called Margarine in Newfoundland History by Welf H. Hike from Newfoundland and Studies 2 from 1986, um, he talks about the, the reason that margarine trade popped up in Newfoundland specifically was because the climate's just not uh, conducive to supporting a dairy industry. Um, cows, they need a stable temperature nine months of the year. Um, the costs were prohibitive for that region. And because of that, there were no significant industrialized dairy interests in Newfoundland at all. Right. So butter had to be imported. And this created a market demand for something to fill the gap because importing something will automatically make it more expensive in most cases. And this is where people began to manufacture margarine. Well, they heard tell. They heard tell, Ben, of our uh, French inventor, whose name I've already forgotten how to pronounce correctly, but you can backtrack to the Casey on the Case segment and you'll hear all about it there. And it was blowing up in the United States and it went by the name of Butterine at the time. It wasn't even called oleomargarine. There was, Butterine was kind of the the name that was being thrown around, mm -hmm. and they realized, wow, we might have something on our hands here that we can um, use as a butter substitute. Yes, this is interesting historically because we already begin to see in sources 
of the time. In contemporary sources, the growing controversy, uh, the Daily Telegraph of London ran an article on misleading packaging of buttering that the Newfoundlander, a paper in Newfoundland, oddly enough, uh, also carried in August of 1883. And the people of Newfoundland in general, began concluding that this much cheaper substitute, this buttering, could be beneficial, especially for the poorer segments of society. So a merchant firm named Harvey & Company begins to manufacture margarine or buttering in the colony in 1883. And not to get too into the weeds with the history of the production of margarine in the region, but at the end of a handful of years, there were three primary margarine interests. Um, and one of them, I think, hilariously enough, was called the Newfoundland Butter Company, but they just made margarine. It's it's sort of like the egg company from our earlier episode. What was that? The Pacific Egg Company? I the believe? Pacific Egg Company, but at least they had eggs. The, the, the Newfoundland Butter Company made no butter. Right. That is That is true. They were making margarine. And the thing that was amazing about this for uh, someone of lower income in Newfoundland was that Since margarine could be made with a combination of vegetable, mineral, and animal oils, most notably seal oil at this time. I know, that's that's a rough one. The the end result was that margarine was incredibly cheaper to produce, and these costs trickled down to the consumer. And it looked like it might be a win-win for almost everybody in society. Almost. Almost. Because there was one group that very, very, very much opposed the idea of cheap butter for the people, butter substitute. Big butter. Big (laughs) Canadian butter. Mm -hmm. Because at the time, we haven't mentioned this, Newfoundland wasn't part of Canada. No, it was a colony. Colony. It was an English colony. And the English, you know, they they were a little more uh, laissez-faire about this uh, production of margarine. They didn't see it as a threat. There wasn't a whole lot of exporting. They were were doing it mainly to satisfy their own needs. But here's the thing, Ben. The people in Canada, even before Newfoundland was incorporated into Canada, they wanted that margarine. Yeah. Yeah, they wanted the margarine, and you can easily see why. Although, you know, there there are going to be many, many people, uh, some of us in the studio today, folks, uh, who will argue that butter is superior in terms of taste to margarine. There's still many people who say, hey, you know what? It's good enough, and it's not breaking the bank. The thing about it, too, is there were, like, health uh, considerations too, right? Because these people that in Newfoundland had become such loyal customers of this uh, food stuff, there were studies that went around in the Newfoundland region that showed that folks there were quite deficient in some vitamins, vitamins A and D. And they also found that margarine was deficient in vitamins A and D. And, you know, the health benefits of margarine versus butter have largely been called into question because of things like saturated fat. Trans fat. Trans fat, which both have. So you're supposed to use both of them sparingly, right? But at this time, you know what big margarine did in Newfoundland? They did a lot like our pals that made the... uh Vitamin donuts. Yeah, they just fortified that biz. Yeah, and they wanted to keep the consumers incentivized to eat this. So now they could say not only is this more affordable than butter, but this is also healthy or it's, you know, fortified with for any vitamin donut listeners out there. So everyone could afford it. Everyone got a a little bit more uh, vitamin A and D intake. For pep. 
for pep, for, for vigor, right? Uh, at the time, as we said, Newfoundland was still a British colony, but in 1949, it became part of Canada. So that 1886 law banning margarine in Canada didn't apply to Newfoundland at the time because it was a colony. And we're talking about the idea of bootlegging margarine. Maybe that's a little loaded, but it's interesting because when we say bootlegging, we're talking about bootlegging in the same way that during Prohibition, people would uh, smuggle illegal booze. They were making it themselves in mm-hmm. stills or whatever, right? The margarine thing was happening at the very same time. People were smuggling it from Newfoundland into the rest of Canada because in Newfoundland, even when it got incorporated into the Dominion of Canada, they were still allowed to make the stuff. They couldn't ship it anywhere else throughout the entire country. It was totally isolated to Newfoundland, which is a little bit isolated in and of itself. It's kind of an island, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it is a little bit isolated. I would, I, I would argue from our perspective down here, Canada's parliament passed federal legislation in 1949 the the same year that Newfoundland became part of Canada, to prohibit the manufacture and sale of margarine anywhere in Canada except for two places, Newfoundland and Labrador, because they both had this pre-existing industrial base for the production of margarine. Right, the other one of Labrador being all the retrievers. Right, yes, yes, the uh, famous home of all retrievers. Yeah, that's where they come from. Um, but this is the thing. The whole um, joining up Newfoundland with Canada, there are some caveats, Ben, because – Big Butter put its big, giant, buttery foot down and influenced lawmakers to the point where we got this delightful little section from the 1949 British North American Act, Section 46, as it happens. Oleomargarine or margarine may be manufactured or sold in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador after the date of the Union and the Parliament of Canada shall not prohibit or restrict such manufacture or sale except at the request of the legislature of the province of Newfoundland, but nothing in this term shall affect the power of the Parliament of Canada to require compliance with standards of quality acceptable throughout Canada. That's the setup, and now we'd like to, now we'd like to show you where the rubber hits the road legislatively. Big time. Number two, unless the Parliament of Canada otherwise provides or unless the sale and manufacture in and the interprovincial movement between all provinces of Canada, other than Newfoundland and Labrador, of oleomargarine and margarine. It's interesting they call them two different things. Mm-hmm. I did not realize that was the case. Uh, is lawful under the laws of Canada. Oleomargarine or margarine shall not be sent, shipped, brought or carried from the province of Newfoundland and Labrador into any other province of Canada. So there you got the black market margarine trade popping up overnight. It wasn't overnight, though, because they, they it was already happening. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like all of a sudden Canada was like, what is this magical margarine? They, they knew what it was. You could get to Newfoundland. People mm. knew each other. They, they, you know, they talked. But the dairy industry does have profound influence at this point, and they didn't just wage the war in the halls of parliament. They also waged the war in the public domain. It, it's interesting. In the Dupree paper, uh, the author says that in both the United States and Canada, the people who were prosecuting against margarine argued that they were acting in the public interest. In one case, and this goes back to that quotation you had earlier, uh, they would say that they were protecting consumers from a product that was injurious to health 
or they were protecting people from the fraudulent sale of margarine as butter. And that is a thing that we see in the United States side of this story as well. In a uh, story from the New York Times from 1877, we have this quote. Christopher Strauss, a grocer of number 16 Second Avenue, was arraigned before Justice Murray in the 57th Street Police Court yesterday, charged with selling oleomargarine, representing it to be pure butter. S.A. Churchill, a former manufacturer of the artificial article and who is now employed as a detective by the Butter and Cheese Exchange, appeared as complaint. Yeah, and this this is strange because it turns out those accusations of fraud are pretty well-founded. Margarine was often sold as butter because both could be sold in bulk, and it was virtually impossible to distinguish between the two by sensory examination, you know? So, like, if you, if you and I just saw blocks of margarine on one side, butter on one side, and they were made to look relatively identical – we wouldn't be able to tell without a, a little bit more in-depth investigation. And there's a there's a weird thing here because from its inception or at multiple times throughout history, butter was regulated the same way you would regulate the so-called vice products like tobacco or alcohol of some sort. Sure. Which is strange because it's not going to affect you mentally, right? You're not going to get a, a butter buzz. Or maybe you and I just haven't eaten enough butter. And I love the phrase butter buzz. Dude, I mean, sometimes I just take a bite out of a stick of butter just to just to feel that euphoric rush right yeah. to my dopamine sensors. I saw a guy at a baseball game mm-hmm. casually eating a stick of butter. Dude, that's a fair food. They, they deep fry a stick of butter. They'll deep fry anything at a fair now. And a stick of butter is apparently the wave of the future. That's crazy. It looked like he bought it from home. Like he had the foil and he was unwrapping it and he just started eating it. It's a brave new world, my friend. It's a brave new world, Noel. And this was a brave new trade front, right? Because there's market demand. Big Dairy is fighting tooth and nail against this. And as as we had said, I, I, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't spend just a little bit of time on the United States version of this conflict. Totally, man. I think we've drawn the parallels between the two situations, how, you know, the American story definitely influenced the Canadian um, because all this was kind of happening around the same time. But Mm -hmm. there are some very interesting little fact nuggets from the American side that we have uh, not mentioned yet. Yes, we owe it to everyone, ourselves included, to dive a little deeper into the butter churn of big dairy in the United States. So in the Midwest and in Wisconsin specifically and other states like Minnesota and such, this was a tremendous deal because dairy was a hugely influential industry, right? And it provided a lot of jobs. It was super crucial to the economy. And the governors and the senators and the representatives understood this. And they were all kind of – many of them were running to uh, be on the side of of butter and dairy, right, and to fight the uh, perfidious threat of margarine. Well, especially if they were representing constituents who had those jobs and depended on those jobs. Mm. Uh, I'm sure there was also some some palm greasing, buttering of palms Mm. going on perhaps. But, you know, at the end of the day, they were looking out for their constituents, possibly a little too – Vehemently, but what happened? Yeah, there was a fantastic example we found in a National Geographic account written by Rebecca Rupp called The Butter Wars When Margarine Was Pink. That's a little spoiler for you later, too. And it, it concerns a Wisconsin 
taste test in 1955 in which senators were blindfolded and they were, it's sort of like the Pepsi challenge, if anybody uh, remembers that from, what was that, the 90s, 1990s or so? Yeah, yeah, I think, they, they, you know, around when Michael Jackson set his hair on fire. Was that, oh. yeah, it, was, it was in those days, Taste of a New Generation. And the, the reason we bring this up is because the arrangement was essentially the same. The senators were blindfolded and they had to taste butter and they had to taste margarine and tell the difference between the two, which of course they all claimed that they could do, no question. And most of these folks were not fooled except famously uh, a guy named Gordon Roselip. Yeah, he was extremely pro-butter, a huge advocate of butter, and he tasted it and he got it wrong. He preferred the margarine consistently. He told the people who were testing him, who of course were not wearing blindfolds, that they were wrong and they must have mixed it up because he knew his butter by gum. There's a twist though, isn't there? Yeah, there is. There is, yes. Because it turned out that his wife had been worried about her husband's health, specifically his heart. And for years, she had been sneaking this guy yellow margarine, which was illegal at the time, at dinner, uh, at lunch, whenever they ate at the house. So he literally had no idea what butter was supposed to taste like. He must have forgotten. Yeah, I bet he didn't want to get that out, though, because that would have been a pretty soaring cosine on um, how convincing that butter substitute is. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Oh, and we do want to add one thing here, one point of order, uh, just while it's on our minds. We earlier said that the Canadian 
prohibition was from 1886 until, you know, 1949 when they allowed it in Newfoundland and Labrador, there was a brief shining moment for margarine during that time, and that was between 1917 and 1922 when the ban was lifted due to the War Measure Act. Just scarcity of, of foodstuffs in general. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you a pass. But then it was back in full effect. But what's what's the deal with margarine in Canada now, Ben? It's interesting that we get to this point because uh, as of recent history, butter has surpassed margarine as America's favorite spread. Uh, now people are eating on average 5.6 pounds of butter a year as opposed to 3.5 pounds of margarine. The margarine is still doing gangbusters in both Canada and the United mm-hmm. States, right? Yeah, yeah. We're just – now we're just talking about like their um, their comparison. But by no means uh, is either industry small. When did uh, – when did uh, Canada finally bite the bullet and say, OK, all are welcome, you know, Make make your make your food substitutes. Oh yeah, it went provincial, uh, similar to the way that, uh, in some regards, not one on one comparison, but it's similar to the way that marijuana began to be treated differently. States' state rights. Yeah, 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 yeah. So provinces could have their own sort of sovereignty over that law, and they didn't all legalize margarine at the same time. There were some holdouts. Quebec had a, a ban specifically on colorized margarine because it could look like butter, and that ban wasn't repealed until 2008. Yes, because like margarine in its natural state, I guess, is is white. I think it's pure white, mm-hmm. um, and it's it was different too. And this this came into play in the American story where you had stuff like Crisco that was a food substitute, but it was not something you would like eat on its own. It would be part of cooking, be part of baked goods, whereas margarine was a spread. So you had to interact with it in its current form and you would see it. So there was a time uh, where when in the United States, that colorization of margarine was banned, there was a company that even had like little packets that came with Mm -hmm. it so you could dye it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that reminds me of the old uh, grape concentrate blocks that were sold during uh, Prohibition mm-hmm. where they said uh, the instructions on the box would say things like, don't do the following steps because you will create wine. Oh, God. Whenever I hear the word steps and, and wine, I always think of that uh, that woman at the winery that's stomping on the grapes and then falls out and just like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. She's actually hurt. No, I think she is. Yeah, she's hurt. It's just the saddest sound. It was beautifully portrayed in Family Guy. Um, But back to America just briefly. And we we set this up earlier with some of the quotes, some of the anti-margarine propaganda that Big Butter put out. Um, You know, Canadians are – they have a reputation as being a little more civil and friendly perhaps than we are. And it does seem like the stories are a little out of whack with one another, whereas in the American side – Boy, were they ruthless and Mm. awful. And, you know, there was actually some kind of faux scientists that were employed um, and presented some findings, quote unquote, in a Chicago newspaper. Um, And uh, this this guy's name was Professor Piper, just Professor Piper. And he said, 
that he, he did analyses of margarine samples, um, and, and this was in 1885. And in his analyses, um, he claimed to have found these. The best samples had many kinds of living organisms in them with masses of dead mold, bits of cellulose, various colored particles, shreds of hair, bristles, etc., while other samples teemed with life. Doubtful portions of worms were also noticed. <laughs> Corpuscles from a cockroach, small bits of claws, corpuscles of sheep, the egg of a tapeworm. This sounds like a witch's brew. And what – what uh, There's eye of newt in here. I what's mean, the threshold for a doubtful amount of worms? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> unclear. All, all I'm saying is, man, America, you're mean. Be more like Canada. At least they were civil about their mm. butter war. And there was also propaganda. They let Newfoundland keep doing it because yeah. they, they just really liked it. Yeah. And also, they, the economic argument is pretty tough to sell. Like, no, you have to keep – importing butter and paying much more. That's not going to fly, right? Pro-butter cartoonists in the United States also drew these hit pieces on margarine where they, they have a visual depiction of the stuff that you just mentioned. They had they put stray cats mm-hmm. in margarine and soap, paint, arsenic, rubber boots. There was also an implication by somebody who was probably as legit as Professor Piper that margarine might cause insanity. Yikes. Margarine madness, huh? Yeah, well, there's a lot to both sides of the story. I'm just, again, praising Canada for their uh, prevailing level-headedness. And, and U.S. history, you, you, you can chill out a little bit. But I think we can wrap this story up, mm. right? Yes, and the best way for us to wrap it up is to note that this is not in any way a unique phenomenon. And in the course of digging into this, we found some, what would you call them, analogs? I guess so. Yeah, that's totally accurate. So you and I both found a couple. One conflict that surprised me from our current day is the conflict between municipal broadband and telecoms. Hmm. It's a similar situation wherein, you know, there's one part of a country or a state or a region where they say, we want to build a telecom substitute, for lack of a better word, right? And then the telecoms will use their influence to stymie this in hopes of preserving their own established industry. So we want to be clear, this isn't just food, but boy, we did find food comparisons too. Yeah, lots. And my favorite is because mainly I like to say it is nut milk. Big Dairy is out to get nut milk. And when I say that, I mean things like almond milk, um, cashew milk is Ooh. even a thing, and of course, soy milk. And a representative of the National Milk Producers Federation said this in a case that was uh, levied against one of the big manufacturers of some of those nut milks. He says, mammals produce milk, plants don't. This guy's name was Jim Mulherrin. Same last name as my, my buddy Frank. I wonder if he's... Um, secretly part of Big Dairy. Yeah, Frank listens to our show. So, hey, Frank, let us know, man. Spill the beans. We want to know your secret life as a as a dairy soldier. But now here's the thing. It's in the same way that Big Butter, you know, we'll call it Big Dairy. We can lump it all under Big Dairy. We're trying to protect their interest, protect their turf. They're doing the same thing today with uh, products like these, these soy-based products. And they're basically saying that the use of the words like soy milk, almond milk that are put together, they're joined together as one words. Um, the dairy industry says that that's just sort of a cheap way of getting away with using the word milk, which again, they say exclusively comes from mammals. Um, this came from an article called Dairy Producers Targeting, quote, fake milk in latest food fight from CTV News, and this is how the Plant-Based Foods Association responded. They say that 
it's, it's, it's a different animal entirely from what they're talking about. They say these companies are charging more money because consumers are gravitating toward them. I think that says it all right there. Yeah. You, you, you know, the margarine thing, it was cheaper. You could – I'm not saying that Big Butter was doing the right <laughs> thing at all. They were clearly jerks about it. But, you know, I could see that as being seen as a legitimate threat. Nobody is buying soy milk because they think it's milk. Mm-hmm. And they certainly aren't getting a, a sweet deal on it. That stuff is pretty pricey. And with this, we would like to hear from you, folks. Uh, what's your take on margarine versus butter? Do you have a preference? Do you feel that one legitimately tastes better? Would you ever? <laughs> I think most people are going to say no. But would you ever t- smuggle margarine? Because uh, Casey, Noel, and I might have a job for you. Dane, I know you've been waiting for it. <laughs> butter smuggler. Whenever I just let's be clear, I, I just want to say butter smuggler. It's been bugging me all week, and I know we're talking about margarine smuggling, so this is our only chance to say. Well, I'm I'm glad you finally got that chance, and we hope you'll take a chance and write us at ridiculous at howstuffworks.com. You can also hit us up on social media on Facebook, where we're ridiculous history, or on uh, Twitter, where we're at ridiculous history, and Instagram. We're still toying with the idea of bringing back the joke about not doing a Pinterest. So Right. And is it a joke? We want to thank everybody who wrote in and told us that they missed us continually uh, debating whether or not we will ever have a Pinterest. So we're thinking about maybe bringing that debate back, but we're definitely still never going to have a Pinterest. Right. Maybe. We'll put a we'll put a Pinterest in it. Uh, so thanks to everyone who already wrote in to us and we look forward to hearing from everyone in the future. As always, we want to thank our long-suffering super producer, Casey Pegram and Candace Gibson, who wrote the awesome article on the Butter Wars for our parent website, HowStuffWorks.com. Not to mention Alex Williams, who composed our theme, and today's resident fact genie, Lauren Vogelbaum, who dropped in um, under complete duress. <laughs> yes, yes. And most especially, thank you for listening. And we hope you'll continue doing that and hang out with us next time for another episode of Ridiculous History. Take care, everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.